The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Tuesday episode of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy the Underdog Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, hi, everybody. That's puppy power. That's Scooby-Doo. I was going to say, yeah, wrong show there, sweetheart. No, I can't remember what Underdog <laughs> did. But. And then there's Mighty Mouse. I miss them. I do. I miss our Saturday morning cartoons. Kids don't know what it was like. The struggle was real. I start Saturday morning cartoons because knowing is half the battle. <laughs> and the Care Bear Share. You doing uh, You know how they did the belly and they all light up and. You hire mind. something because you're awful happy over there. No, you gave me a shot of good stuff today. and Tequila. I, I, yeah, I mean, not uh, heroin, tequila, people. Uh, no, uh, no uh, vodka. Uh, vodka. That's it. Shit. Yeah, I want tequila, but he gave me vodka. I know my researcher forgot to bring my infused tequila with her, so I'm kind of... Damn, some people's kids. All right, today we're going to be doing Alan Baker and Kevin Crump and the Institute for Boys Tamworth. Oh, there's an Institute for Boys here too, huh? Hey, little boy, are you Catholic? Tamworth. Do you want to (laughs) be? That TikTok video you sent me was wrong on so many levels. Which one? I don't remember. That one about what have you done sexually that you will never do again? (laughs) Father O'Reilly, does that count? (laughs) You know why they call priest father, don't you? Shut up. Be a little little too obvious if they call them daddy. (laughs) I hate you. The early childhood conditions and relationships of Alan Baker and Kevin Crump are unknown. Not much is known about him, right? Um, we do know that Kevin Crump was born January 10th of 1949, and at some point, child welfare became involved. Whether it was because of abuse, criminal behavior, or as an orphan, we simply just, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of research that went in. We couldn't find shit. You're not me. However, he did get into the system. Crump was transferred to the Institute for Boys, Tamsworth, when he was a young teen. Tamsworth was built around... Wait a minute, wait a minute. How old were these two when this happened? They were teenagers. Oh. They grew up together. We're going we're gonna to find some shit out. Okay. You know, ask questions. That's not the same thing. Because I'm wondering why you're doing a would-be on a Tuesday. No, just hang tight. Those okay, I, I will. I'll hang tight. Hang tough. I'm sure that my researcher told me, but I, fuck if I can remember. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just confused. That's all. Yeah, me too. We're, I, I believe I you. know. I'm you told me out. you hadn't read through it yet. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to find out about this shit at the same time that you are. We're all so. going to be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be just as surprised as y'all are. Tamsworth was built uh, around an old uh, colonial prison and opened in 1947 by the Child Welfare Department. It was designed to house up to 20 boys between the ages of 15 and 18 who had either run away or committed some uh, variety of crime while at another boy's home. Mm. The walls were 18 feet high surround- that surrounded the place. Only 18 feet? Yeah. Only- Carl could have gotten over that. Oh, easily, man. He jumped off a of 30, man. Dude, Carl, no, he fell from the 30. Oh, um, that's right. But no, he could, he could probably, like, like what's the what's that one guy who can jump really high? Not Superman. I can't remember that superhero, but he can jump really high. Yeah, leave me alone. Are you jumping high? I'm over tired. There? I am so half asleep. You woke me up three minutes before my alarm went off this morning. I'm pissed. <laughs> That's out of love. I'm telling you. Yeah. The boys were housed in a in brick cells, which were freezing in the winter and sweltering in the oh, summer. I believe it. Residents experienced daily beatings, starvation, and were forced to hold stress position. An example would be standing with their nose in the corner, arms held at shoulder height, and pressed along the walls uh, to either side, like a crucifix. Ooh. Uh Uh-huh. And they had to hold these positions for hours. That's where some wall sits. Yeah, it's fucked up, right? Um, If their arms slipped, they were beaten. Boys were instructed to push... 30-pound sandstone blocks across the floor. They weren't allowed to look left or right and stand six feet apart from one another. Speaking was only allowed once a day 
during one hour of recreation time. I would go insane. No shit, because you never shut up. Well, no, because I don't like uncomfortable <laughs> silence. Which is why, like, when we're working, I don't like the silence because you don't let me have the TV on. And I just, like, I have to make noises. I love silence. I, I can't do it. I, I'm too much in my head then. Anyway, otherwise, absolute silence must have been, must be maintained. An example of additional punishment was being forced to wear cardboard boxes over their head while standing still for two to three hours, then continue wearing the boxes for the remainder of the day. Many boys opted to sell themselves for a piece of bread and butter. Those who did not and spurned the advances received additional punishments. Okay, wait, wait. Sell themselves to the guards? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, sell themselves to a baker. No, I thought you meant sell themselves to each other at first, and then you said additional punishments, so that's what made me ask the guards. Don't mock me. I was in prison. I know how it works. Negative, female inmate. Thank you for doing it right with the finger. The finger? Yes, you have to have that finger. Even the slightest infraction was met with severe punishment. And then I got my side note in here. Of course. This seems to be a very common occurrence when it comes to places that were responsible for child welfare. Mm-hmm. We've seen this a lot in both orphanages, orphanages as well as detention centers for young boys all the way through the early 80s. Yes. This shit was happening. Very much so until they started getting, um, started being accountable to somebody other than the independent, you know, because they were all independent. Independently owned, owned yeah. yeah. And operated. Yeah. When they started being state owned, it got a little better. Right. I won't say it's a lot better. It's not. <laughs> but <clears throat> Keith Kelly, I think she meant Keith, but okay. Probably. Keith Kelly was transferred when he was 16. The crime he committed to warrant his transfer, you might wonder, he reported his molestation by the headmaster of a boy's home where he was housed in. Unfortunately, the child services worker he confided in was an associate of the headmaster. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. We've seen that, too. Let us not. Yeah. Yeah. He was forced to lie to the police and confess to the crime and c- confess to a crime. The crime being homosexual. Regarding his time at Tamsworth, Kelly said Tamsworth Boys Home was a real concentration camp. They treated the young boys like animals. With daily bashings and starvation. Sounds like the Minnesota Reform School. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Fucking. And it's just like deja vu. All over again with Carl, man. Mm, the painting Pinch, room man. and all. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I've been to the notorious Gafton Jail twice for a period of time for more than four years, all told. I was systematically bashed daily, flogged into unconsciousness several times. But believe me, that was nothing compared to the treatment I got at Tamsworth. That sounds like a Carl quote, too. That is, Oh, my man. God. You were saying that, and I was like, oh, my God. This is Carl Pensram, like, maybe 20 years after he died. Yeah, because Carl... Well, no, it wasn't very long, because Carl died in 36. Oh, that's right. That's right. I keep But it was, like, 20 years after he was in the reform school, so, That yeah. was it, yeah. Yeah. He also stated, it took away their childhood to the extent that they didn't have trust in society. Well, that's a million too. Go figure. It took away their love. It took away, I suppose, in some cases, their fear. It was it was so horrendous. Kelly thought about brutally murdering a fellow boy by ramming his face with a fork. He just so he could get out of there. Oh my God! I've he, been there. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, you've been here just just yesterday. With me. Just yesterday, recording with me. Um. He knew he would have been sent to an adult prison, and that would be safer and grant more freedom. 35 deaths uh, would be later uh, directly linked to men who served time at the Tamsworth Boys Home. Now, this, this does all... No, they're ones who lived there and died, were housed there and died? Or, and killed people. Or they, okay, I was wondering if they died themselves right. or they and killed people. Right, and now I okay. remember talking to my researcher about this okay. because th- this does all link in. To that... Okay, got it. Now I understand. All right. Some more people that were there. And trust me, just bear with me because all this shit links in and it's, a, it's yeah. pretty long. Let's not forget he's just reading this for the first time. Thanks. I love you. Yeah, whatever. 
Peter Schneiders. Uh, Letharian? I don't know. Okay, one well, was taken by child services because um, his inability to speak English led to truancy. Oh, this happened in, this was in Australia, that's right. New South oh. Wales made truancy a crime. Due to the repeated running away, he was transferred to Tamsworth. Uh, did he even know what was going on? Uh, was he trying to return home? I mean, we don't know. You know, but the, the dude can't speak fucking English. Yeah. How's he communicating? But apparently it's a crime. Uh, you know. Being truant. Schneidus uh, entered Tamsworth as a nonviolent person. That's not how he left. As an adult, Schneidus killed a person, uh, a prison guard with a hammer in a random, unprovoked, unmotivated attack. Wow. Clipping your fucking nails I over there? I had to. It was jagged. You about done? Because it picks up on the mics I now? Did, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. It was jagged and I, was, I hurt myself. Fucking juggling monkeys and shit? I said I was sorry. I had Too to. Late. That's not same same. That's no no. You know what? At least I apologize. No, that's true. <laughs> Arthur Stanley, Nettie Smith, that was his. Anyway, was one of Australia's most most prolific underground criminals. Smith exploited corruption in in. Yeah, exploited corruption in, Sydney, in, in the Sydney Police Department during an unprecedented and violent rise to power. Hmm. He was a major player in the underground wars during the 80s. In 1987, Smith stabbed and killed a tow truck driver and, uh, in a fit of unprovoked road rage. He was charged with eight murders, convicted of two along with the rape of... At, with rape and armed robbery. Can I just add a side note here? Is I'm glad you've had anger management because I think you would be in that same situation to this day. I would. Yeah. I used to... When I was a teenager... <laughs> four score and a hundred years ago when we were teenagers. I would go into places that I knew certain ethnicities frequented. Like okay. Parks. And say the most rotten things to fight five or more people. Okay. No, you and I've talked about that. Because I am a naturally very violent person. Yes. But anchor management has actually fucking helped. Yeah. Unless you borrow his truck and call him and tell him you hit somebody. Side note. Let me tell you what this twat across from you did. <laughs> your intern's not sitting across from you. No, it's you. Oh. So let Tammy Kins over here borrow my truck because I got to move a fucking couch. That's yeah. fine. Nobody drives my baby. No. Nobody. I get this fucking call. Um, where's your insurance paperwork? It's in my glove box. In my glove box. Good. I hit a car and my asshole puckered. You know what? You're lucky I didn't carry it out as far as I wanted to because I had more shit to say. But when I heard the devastation in that, no, I stopped. Oh, I can't even fucking think about that. <laughs> Just no, no. Fucking chills and itches. Just no. thinking about my baby. Oh, come on. You know, you got her back. She's in good condition. I didn't do anything wrong. I adjusted the seat. Sorry, but I had no, to. No, that's, that's fine. Adjust the mirrors in the seats. It's a safety thing. But in, this is what I was telling her. And honestly, I've owned everything from Mercedes to Ferraris to you name it. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite vehicle I've ever had. She drives very well. Oh, she does, man. Comfortable. She's pretty. That bitch will climb a goddamn tree because she's got so much power in her, but she rides like a fucking Mercedes. Yeah. Just smooth. You no, know, and like I said, when I was coasting coming out of your the truck yard and I kind of fishtail a little bit, I'm like, oh, fuck, Scott's going to kill me. But it's like <laughs> she corrected right away. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I, of course, know how to drive on ice and snow anyways, but it's like. I was just like, I was so careful with her the whole day. My son goes, Mom, you're going the speed limit. I said, I know, it's disgusting. <laughs> I tell her that I love her every morning. I did tell her like three times that I loved her. And when I get home, I said, okay, baby, I'll see you tomorrow. I treat her better than my girlfriend. Like, that's... You treat her better than your kid. I do. I fucking love that truck. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's my baby. But I bought my, I bought my dream vehicle. But anyways, that okay. was a side note. I digress. <laughs> James Jimmy Finch helped kill 15 people in 1973 and a 1973 firebombing of Brisbane's Whiskey A Go-Go nightclub, not the one in Los Angeles. I've never been to either. 
Oh, I have. Um, I've been to the one in LA, not the one in Australia. Is it fun? Uh, I had a blast. I had, there's a whole story. I was telling Jake a story from that uh, yesterday when I was getting plowed. Drunk. <laughs> not that kind of plowed. Okay. <laughs> I'm not like you, you whore. <laughs> I am not a whore. The, Sex addict, a, maybe, but not a whore. This was at a time, one of Australia's worst uh, mass murders. Finch was convicted of only one count of murder and released in 1997 after serving 15 years of a life sentence and deported to Britain. Oh, okay. So he's not a Mexican. He got deported anyway. It's, it's sad, man. My wife so will be so happy she's not the only one you threatened. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> How's she doing, by the way? I she's miss her. She's awesome. No, her, her and I talk multiple times a week, man. Oh, yeah. She's, she's doing Do really well. Do you tell well. her I love her? I tell her. Hey, baby. Tammy How you doing? You. I said, Tammy doesn't like you anymore. She knows I love her. Archibald, he went by Archie McCaff, uh, McCafferty, is a serial killer charged with a triple murder in 1973. He was, when he randomly killed three men in a street uh, and was released, then committed manslaughter in 1981, and he had set out to kill seven people. Holy shit. In jail, he formed a gang called the Grim Reapers, which honestly, for a white gang, that's fucking badass. Yeah. It's a good name. Um, and they were a prison execution squad. They would be responsible for at least three murders. McCafferty was released in 1987 and deported back to Scotland so he could sit there at the lock. And talk to Nessie. That's right. He's looking for Nessie. Anytime anybody says Scotland to you, you go, because they need to look for Nessie. That's right. They have to look for Nessa in the guilt. <laughs> I wonder if he's out there right now playing golf. Nessa! You're so Because <laughs> every time I think Scotland, that's why I think it's Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Nessa. William Mundy was a serial rapist who escaped from a mental hospital while serving 58 years for his violent rape rampage through Sydney. Wow. Yeah. Along with another man, he kidnapped two teenage girls and held them as sex slaves until they were recaught. Wow, dude. Monday was convicted of rape, kidnapping, and armed robbery, and Monday was also a part of the Grim Reapers. Like I said, this all fits back in. Just bear with me, I'm, boys and girls. I'm barren. Not barren. Well, I am barren, but that's not the point. Oh, I'm thought, bearing with you is what I meant to say. I thought you were becoming a bear like a polar bear. Like a polar bear. Shut up, polar bear. <laughs> no, I'm not. Ba- well, I am barren. I can no longer have kids, but whatever. And the world's thankful. George Freeman was an alleged kingpin of Cindy. He served several terms for theft between 1951 and 1968. He was never tried for any of his later suspected crimes. Freeman stated, quote, I think Tamsworth Boys Home was probably the toughest, most damaging institution I ever saw the inside of. They would break kids in there. They would torture your mind uh, with the pressure. Um, Sounds like it. It was mindless discipline, unproductive and cruel. It was it was them or us. It had to be uh, it had to be to survive. All Tamsworth did was ingrain the bitterness. They create the ultimate finishing school for crimes. Wow. That's like, instead of going to etiquette school, let's go to criminal school. Well, I say that about prisons a lot. You know, a lot of times it doesn't create a, a reformed person. It, it, re- it creates a better, a better criminal. It does sometimes. The Institute for Boys Tamsworth changed its name in 1976 to the Endeavor House. Oh, right. okay. Right, rock on. Probably <laughs> change the name, but you can't change the. <laughs> no shit, man. You could call a turd a golden egg. Yeah, but it's you can't still a put turd. lipstick on a pig and call it a woman. Well, yeah. you could, but <laughs> you could try. <laughs> Funny story. So, but when I was on a farm, and no, <laughs> it got loaded like. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> Fucked up, daddy. <laughs> the same changed. Uh, the, um, they meant name. <laughs> Hold on one second, boys and girls. The name changed, but the institution did not. Yeah. 
It closed in 1989 after a string of suicides. Wow. Reopened later as an adult prison. Crump's record of all uh, of all his time at Tamsworth had been sealed. Mm. Because I did have her try to actually get records, records, and these are sealed. You can't get them. Hmm. Yeah. But we'll see. You'll see why in a little bit. I remember this one. Psychologist Dr. Michael Daffron states, though you can't blame any act of violence on a specific systematic mistreatment like those alleged at Tamsworth, it has likely intensified any violent tendencies. Does that make sense? Yeah, so they can't blame the people's actions on that institution, but it did intensify their already criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. I get it. You got her. Which I kind of agree with. So Ellen Baker and Kevin Crump met while in prison serving terms for breaking and entering and robbery. Both had built extensive criminal histories by this point. They were cellmates and soon became friends, likely due to necessity. Upon release, Baker took up work as a seasonal farmhand. Within a few weeks, Crump was released. He called Baker. They stole a car and headed to. Uh, he stole a car and then went to go pick him up. Okay. After reuniting, Crump and Baker decided real work really wasn't the life for him. They wanted to steal for a living. The farmer Baker. The f- what? What the fuck did she write? Hold on. Let's roll with it. Fuck it. The farmer Baker was working through nothing of his abrupt disappearance as the season was kind of gone to shit. Okay. Uh, Former Baker? The farmer. I don't know why she... Oh, the farmer that Baker was working for. Right. Got it now. I remember what she said. Now, you're going to have to edit the fuck out of this. I will. Post it. I always Um, do. I got to get on her about editing shit, too. Um, yeah, so I remember her telling me about this. So the while Baker's out there working as a farmhand, mm-hmm. um, I think it was Baker or Crump. You just said Baker, so. I'm going to make sure it's Tom Bell. Anyway, um, yeah, it was Baker. Uh, they had different, several farmhands, but the season was crappy. Not a lot to harvest. Right. So he really wasn't missed when he said, I'm gone. Uh, when he said, adios, bitch, nachos. When he said, adios, bitch, nachos. Good day, yeah. mate. Well, you and I grew up on farms. Well, I grew up on a dairy farm where, you know, we had corn right. and stuff that, you know, you have shit years. Yeah, that shit fucking happens, yeah. man. November 3rd of 1973, while driving a stolen vehicle, Baker and Crump came across a car on the side of the road in northwestern part of New South Wales. Okay. They had a three oh eight rifle and two Bella Cleavers in the vehicle. I don't know what a Bella Cleaver is. Anyway... They decided to siphon whatever gas they could get. James Land, 43, had had left his home and uh, and took work as a seasonal worker. In order to save money, he took uh, he took the sleeping across the front seat of his car. Crump scoped out the vehicle from the rear. <laughs> he was in the rear. <laughs> nice rear. He likes to take it in the rear. Anyway, <laughs> or give it to the rear. <laughs> he he probably did too. Being in prison. Ensuring Lamb was indeed alone. As Baker walked up to the driver's side, Baker knocked on the car door. Lamb sat up all groggily. What the fuck do you want? I'm sleeping, bitch. And Baker shot him four times in the voice box right in the throat with the rifle. Crump and Baker stood there for about ten minutes in silence. Crump opened the passenger door and Baker untangled Lamb's feet from the brake in the clutch and helped move him over to the passenger seat. They moved the car off of the main road, stole 20, 30 bucks-ish, some clothes, and siphoned the gas. They left the beer in the back seat because, ah, there was blood on it. A man was murdered for gas. I was going to say, why didn't they just siphon the gas while the guy slept? He probably wouldn't even known they were there. Hey, no shit. Like, right? They would have been I like, mean, you want to walk him? Mate, I ain't got no gas. Or knocked him out or something. Why'd they have to kill him? Well, because they're fucking little psychopaths. 20 psychopath. bucks in gas, man. 20, 30 bucks, yep. Wonderful, huh? 
Three days later, Baker and Crump were camping out near a farm of Brian and Virginia Morris. Baker had worked in 1972 there to help them uh, plow and harvest. He was plowing their field. <laughs> Nothing with that? No, I Nothing? Had to call my Bueller? Friend. I didn't want to say Bueller? <laughs> Baker thought it would be an easy target to rob. They, obvi- they observed the routine of the household for a couple of days uh, from behind the haystacks. Oh, so they cased it. Yeah, they totally cased it from behind haystacks. All fucking, you know, like Mission Impossible-like. Yep. Brian took his uh, kids to the bus stop and went to work, leaving Virginia alone at the house. One entered from the back door and the other from the front. And that's how the porn started. I'm so sorry. That was not funny. I apologize, people. I so apologize. She laughs at this shit because of my sick fucking mind. I do. I looked at you and I was like, oh my God. I was waiting for it and I just, I couldn't help myself. I had to laugh. I'm sorry. I apologize. Virginia was taken up to one of the bedrooms, blindfolded and restrained as they searched the house and did probably did other things because that's how the porn starts. That is. Back door, front door. Yep. That is how it starts. Been there. (laughs) I love it. Yes, I did it. Folks, I did it. <sighs> Yay me, I did it finally. Threw up a little bit in my mouth. Hey, you gave me that look I give you all the time. I did it. <laughs> After only finding a twenty-two caliber gun and about 30 bucks in cash, they abducted Virginia. Oh, wow. They took her with them. Uh-huh. They stashed Virginia's car at an abandoned police station nearby. <laughs> What place not to look for it at a police station, right? If you think about it, it's actually yeah, it's brilliant. Genius. Where's the last place that you would look for a stolen car? Yeah, at a police station. At a cop shop. Yeah. Abandoned or not. Right. That's the last place I actually look for a cop is at a police station because we're all at fucking Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme. <laughs> voodoo. Or voodoo. Yeah. Now that you got a voodoo up here in Vancouver. You ever want to find a cop? Go over to buy the mall to the voodoo donuts. I bet you find it goddamn all of them all sitting of there. Vancouver PD. If you're really stupid, try to rob that motherfucker. You're going to die. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody fucks with a cop in his donuts. Damn right, man. <laughs> with his cock and balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> they, they drove along the back roads towards Queensland, stopped at hotels and garages to buy beer and gas with the money that they stole from the Morrises. That's a lot of beer and gas for 20 bucks. Yeah, well, it was back in like the 70s and 80s and shit, I think. 80s, but still. Beer was cheap then, man. Oh, yeah, and gas was only, what, less than a buck? I think, yeah. Yeah, because in yeah. the early 90s, it was less than a buck. Yeah. Now it's like four something. Yeah, it's 419 by you. I paid 379 That was 100, almost 107 bucks to fill the tank in my truck. Fuck. Ridiculous. You'll be all right. Oh, I won't. I could starve to death at any moment. Driving mostly. I can at, see it. You're withering away to nothing as I we am. speak. I'm like a reverse Ethiopian starving. Got a distended stomach and ass. Yeah, okay, let's call it that. Driving mostly at night to avoid detection, Morris sobbed and pleaded for her life for over 120 miles. South of Queensland, they stopped, tied Morris to a tree, and took turns raping her repeatedly for 22 hours. Oh, shit. Threw her back into the car and continued their journey. They stopped by there. They stopped by the Weir River and tied her to a tree, raped and tortured her repeatedly, and shot her execution style between the eyes. Oh my God. That poor woman. Yeah, no shit. Crump later admitted to having intercourse with her corpse. Oh, of course. I definitely remember her. I, we talked about this, me and, because she had to prep me for this one. I know what's coming. Okay. Morris's body was rolled into the river. Her clothes burned, and then they drove back to their campsite. It hasn't been stated what form of torture beyond the rape took place, but knowing that they had two cleavers, it doesn't take much of imagination. Yeah, no. The scene would haunt seasoned investigators for decades. Mm. So now they're going to get caught. November 13th, Baker and Crump headed towards Hunter, the Hunter region, intending to commit a robbery. Their stolen vehicle was spotted near Maitland. They fled the scene 
when spotting the police responding to the robbery. A high-speed chase ensued, kind of like O.J. Simpson. No, his was a low-speed chase. Oh, that's right. <laughs> 45 miles an hour in a 55 zone. On, on a fucking freeway with nobody in front of yeah, them. Yeah, nobody near them. <laughs> okay. Um, that was a farce in American history. No shit, huh? The officer was unable to run them off the road, but not for long. Another officer took up pursuit. The second officer was shot in the forehead. Amazingly, not only did he survive, but he continued the pursuit. Oh, dude, that's a Superman. Back to work in twelve days. You know what? That motherfucker is RoboCop. No shit. That's who that is. That is RoboCop. Because it wasn't like he was shot with a twenty-two either, was it? Because he had the right. They had the rifle. Maybe they did. They did steal that twenty-two from. You would assume, yeah. Yeah, they stole the twenty-two from that farmhouse. So it may have just been a glancing blow, but still. I, I'll tell you, if, if I, let's say, I don't know, stub my toe too hard. Oh, I've seen you stub your toe on that fan. And I, I, I literally thought I had to take you to the emergency room. I don't think I'm going back to work in 12 days. I'm just saying. Motherfucker got shot in the head, in the fucking forehead. I'm sorry. I can't help but laugh at you. Like, I would put my leg in a cast. Dude, you are, you can be, you are a man when you're sick and hurt. You are like the typical injured sick man. Yes. It depends on who I'm with. Like when I had cellulitis in my leg, it was different than, like, and if I get the flu, I just want people to leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. But yeah, if I got shot in the fucking head. Oh, great. Please. I would milk it for everything I got. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't be back at work in 12 days. Me neither. No. That's dedication. Yeah. That's. Who's RoboCop? Jesus fucking Christ, man. Police set up a roadblock in Woodville, which was effective in stopping the vehicle. Crump and Baker ran off into the bush shooting at the police. I've had to run off into the bush a few times. Intense ground and air search followed. Baker and Crump were found three hours later in a nearby river, wet, unarmed, and shivering. Senior Constable Millard the one shot in the face knew him from Crump Highway Patrol duties. I thought he was I thought he was undesirable, a part-time criminal, you could say. Um, but nothing like this all ended up to be. Yeah. Crump, during his confession, said, I was forced to kill Miss Morris by Baker because he wanted me to be uh, in as deep as him. He said he was going to kill me if I didn't. I admit that I was prepared to kidnap Miss Morris and even sleep with her. You mean rape her, you sick fuck. But okay. Let's just say that it was not sleeping with her. But once again, as with Mr. Lamb, I did not want to be a part of her death. It was a choice of either me or Miss Morris. Okay. I can kind of see that, but no. No. Not with these two. Not with these two assholes. Ellen and Crump were not charged with the murder of Virginia since it took place outside the jurisdiction of New South Wales. The prosecution did not want to extradite them to Queensland. Different country, different rules. More specifically, the rules of extradition and charging of crimes work differently uh, than here in the States. Yeah, it's different jurisdictions yeah right so that way there while u.s listeners are going what the fuck's going on well it's it's, it's different it's it's just it's different. A different country it's a different country people yeah no i get it sometimes you should warn me if you're going to do that so i can like you know i was taking a drink because my throat's fucked up and i'm burping like that one yeah no i was like because i took a picture of your dog because she had her like paw wrapped around her nose it was so cute so i texted to my son and said she's so cute and my son goes she's in my spot (laughs) (laughs) crump and allen were charged with the murder of james land lamb the rape and conspiracy to commit the murder of morris and additionally the malicious wounding of a police officer and shooting at the police both with the intent to avoid leading uh, legal apprehension. Yeah. 
During the testimony of investigators describing the ordeal, Virginia Morris suffered. The defendants smirked at each other. Oh, yeah, that tells me he wasn't doing it. Totally. Being forced to do anything. What was not revealed to the jury, for it was deemed too graphic and disturbing to be ever made public, is Baker and Crump shoved three branches up <gasps> her vagina. Oh, yeah, you told me about this. And shoved a beer bottle up her anus. <gasps> oh. You know what, though? Let me see this. Because remember when we did um, Norris and Bitteker? Yes. And how they uh, revealed those tapes in at trial. Uh-huh. I almost, even though I understand why they wouldn't, I almost see that they need to. They should say that. Because totally. the jury needs to know everything. Uh, exactly. I mean. Exactly. I just, These two, when, because now it's all coming back to me that my researcher and I talked about this. Yeah. Um. Because if the jury doesn't know that, they're not, you know what I mean? It's like they don't have that to take into consideration when they're, you know, deliberating and, you know. Right. So, yeah. So, not even knowing these details, it took the jury one hour and 40 minutes to find them guilty on all charges. You know what? Pretty impressive. Pretty impressed with that, right? Not that impressed, but impressive. (laughs) Justice Taylor sentenced Crump and Baker to two life sentences each for Lamb and Morris's murders, plus 15 years on each count of malicious intent to wound police officers. Justice Taylor remarked during the sentencing, you have outraged all acceptable standards of men. The, dis- the description of men, I'll... Men, Using it loosely? <laughs> Ill becomes you. That's what they. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Does okay. No, because okay, what's that saying? Is describing you as a man is not not becoming a not. It's I forget this is Australian talk, not USA talk. I don't want to even describe you as a man because what you did was not a man. It was animalistic, basically. And and, and I I agree. I totally agree. Not only did Mm -hmm. you victimize this woman, yeah, but you desecrated her dead body beyond. Yeah. It's well, yeah, and first of all, guys. 22 hours of rape and torture, I couldn't even imagine. But then making her go back with you and then doing it again yep. is, I'm sorry, at that point, I would have done what I could to kill myself if I were what her. What makes me wonder is, they, they obviously they raped her dead body, but I'm wondering if they inserted the beer bottle into Before her Before or after. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what uh, me and my researcher were talking about. And she was trying to find this out, but she couldn't. If it was anti-mortem mortem or post-mortem. Yeah, post or anti-mortem, yeah. Right, which I had to introduce. Or para or post, yeah. Paramortem is also before anti. It's also, anti and para are the same. Same, Is yeah. what I wanted to say. I had to introduce her to that. Yeah. Because she said pre-mortem. It says no such thing as pre-mortem. It's, no, it's, it's anti. either para or anti, yeah. 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 Um, where were we going? You would be more aptly described as animals. An obscene animal at, at that. I believe yeah. that you should spend the rest of your lives in jail, and there you should die. I was going to say, even a feral animal doesn't treat their enemy that way. Exactly. Yeah. If ever there was a case where life imprisonment should mean what it says, imprisonment for life, this is it. And this is what the, the judge said. No, but see, we've heard this before with the death penalty here. It's yes. like, if ever a case deserved the death penalty, this is it. Yeah, down so, to the letter. Yeah. So there were some p- appeals that were filed. Oh, my God. Yeah, of, sure? course. of course. Of course. Always is. These two fucking pricks. Oh, my God. Did they do the... <laughs> did they do lawsuits, too, for soggy Cheetos? I don't believe so. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That was not Cause, very nice. Because if they did, then I'd be screaming, I think. I think so, I too. I think I would have remembered that. In 1997, Kevin Crump appealed unsuccessfully to the Supreme Court of New South Wales to have his life sentence converted to a minimum sentence and an additional term. Justice... God damn it. McClarney? M-C-L-N-E... His name's McClarney from now on. Ruling was 30 years uh, and the remainder for life. This ruling meant... There was a slim chance Crump could be paroled after 2003. Slight chance. Slight chance. Yeah. In response, the Parliament of New South Wales passed litigation aimed 
at ensuring 10 named individuals would remain, uh, would be released. Oh, what the fuck? Aimed at ensuring 10 named individuals would be, okay. Alan Baker and Kevin Crump among them. Yeah. She didn't tell me about this part. Okay, let's do this. This required the parole board to give substantial weight to the recommendations, observations, and comments made by the original sentencing court. Alan Baker challenged the litigation in the High Court of Australia. He argued that it was invalid and incompatible with the integrity impartially and independence of the in independence of the Supreme Court. I think what she meant is that ten names that would not. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. Be I, but with the integrity and stuff to kind of like translate because I've done some, you know, because as many cases as we've done, is I believe he's trying to say that his sentence, considering everything, what the jury heard, that the sentence was above and beyond what should have been, you know. Correct. So, but that's what the jury, he's going by what the jury heard, you know, whatever. So in October 2004, the high court rejected his claim. There's absolutely nothing wrong with giving weight to past uh, judicial judgments. Right. In 2001, Parliament passed an additional legislation stating Baker, Crump, and the eight others could only be paroled if they were on their deathbeds. I remember this now. Now it's all making sense to me. I really got to read these and edit these. Fuck me. In, in comp- oh, while on, their death, while on their deathbeds and incapacitated to the point of posing no threat to anyone. In the slightest. No, even on their deathbed, they shouldn't be allowed out. So, no, the, what that basically means is if you're on your deathbed and you're incapacitated and you can harm nobody right. in any fucking way. Well, and they're way, called compassionate releases here. Yeah. Then they'll look at you and go, ah, maybe we might parole you. We might, maybe. Let you, we might let you die in a comfortable bed. Maybe. Maybe. Although maybe. I think these two assholes I don't should think die they should. on a bed of fucking hot coals. I think, yeah, no. That's just me. Or have tree branches and bottles shoved up their assholes. Yeah. That's me. That's just yeah. me. Well, I was um, on a quick side note, you know, because you and I have talked about it before, that even in the countries that don't have the death penalty, certain accommodations should be made, exceptions should be made. You know, because we have it here in the U.S. And um, there was this one, I was watching a docuseries, and this guy had murdered his wife's daughter that she had from her first marriage. And um, while he was dead serious, and this is, pisses me off, and this is why I think everybody should have, you know, but he had no remorse for it because he made sure that when the executioner says, do you have any last words, he stuck up both middle fingers and made sure to hold him there until he was dead. Because it was like, that was his final statement. It's so, okay. You know, and to me, these guys sound the same way. The same way. They have no remorse. They don't give a shit. These two people are human garbage. Yeah. What they are. Yeah. Those kind of people should not be allowed. Why waste the taxpayer money keeping them alive? So get this. You ready? I am. When Kevin Crump did apply for parole in 2003, it was rejected due to the 2001 litigation. Okay. Yeah, that legislation because i can't read yeah well in 2012 the high court rejected crump's challenge of the 2001 legislation crump stated in 2015 quote i believe i should never have received a life sentence (laughs) because it's it's not the worst category of murder cases really really how fucking much worse does it have to be you fucking worthless hunk of shit like the only way it could be worse is if it were a child, but it's still the worst thing you could do to an adult. I agree. 100%. And, you know, it's not like they just took her out and shot her. It can, it can only be worse if it was a child with polio that <laughs> was... Down syndrome. With down it. syndrome. Um, and you, you, like, chopped off parts of their body and then peed on them. That's really the only way it could be worse. Yeah, they totally. tortured and victimized this woman. Thank you. Yeah, um, at every opportunity. Yeah, I just I don't understand 
the mentality, well, and criminals are criminals. I mean, there are some out there that think that they're above the law, and that's what this sounds like. Right, right, but I'm going to relate this all back to where they came from. Uh, Susan, get a drink. I'm taking a drink now. Okay, yeah. you want me to talk so you don't have dead air in your gulp, gulp, gulp? No, um, yeah, because, but then, okay, I will let you relate it back, but then I'll probably give my two cents. Oh, no, we'll tear this shit apart, because these two are tear apart worthy. This, this, is, uh, this is an argument in psychology that I don't know if we have enough time for. This is worse than Hermolka, I gotta admit it. And yeah. not many I can actually say that about. No. These two assholes make Carla Hermolka, and we know how... All of our listeners. I was going to say, if you follow us, you'll know that that is Scott's least favorite case. Yeah, like seriously, if she was on fire, I would not piss in her mouth. You wouldn't even. To save her yeah, life. you wouldn't even. No, you would spit alcohol at her. <laughs> and gas. I would. Hey, let me add some gas to that yeah. bitch. Okay, so February two thousand sixteen, two thousand. Uh, February of 2016, the New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeals dismissed Kevin Crump's application to appeal the 1997 sentence, the one where he's worked so hard and successfully to, uh, you know, be able to get, you know, worked so hard for Yeah. Hard worker. Side note, October 4th of 2021, Alan Baker tested positive for COVID-19. Couldn't have happened to a nicer person. Did he die? But did you die? But did he die? God, I wish. <laughs> I like it when my, when, when my researcher puts these side notes in. It's pretty fucking awesome. Both Kevin Crump and Alan Baker are currently incarcerated at the government of New South Wales. Uh, was Has done everything in their power to ensure they remain so until the death their death comes knocking. Until they okay. die. And they were born in the 40s? Uh-huh. Okay, so they're about mom's age. Yeah. Um, final thought. Given how little we know regarding Alan and Crump's childhood, this may never be answered. But do you think Alan Baker is natural-born psychopath, whereas Tamsworth turned Crump into one? You know, that is kind of hard. However, wasn't Baker the one... Oh, wait. Was he the truant one, or was that Crump? No, the, the truant one... Had nothing. Oh, to do okay. With this See, his name was something you, else. I know you did so many in between these two that I kind of got a little confused. It's because they, they they all relate right. back to Tamsworth because Tamsworth, right. because of the environment, much like when we talk right. about Pans um, Ram. Pans Ram, it's a, definitely a contributing factor to these. And that, that final yeah. thought was actually put in by my researcher, and I want to address it. Right. I think that both of them would not have done what they've done. Without, yeah, because I do, I do, okay. Okay, I wanted to say this the right way, so give me a second. I believe they might not have done what they did with the extreme amount of violence because maybe that was their way of coping with what happened to them. On some level. I I don't believe the level of torture did but the fact that they went out and committed more, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. More crimes, I believe that instituted. However, I believe they were each other's cheering section when it came to the long, sustained torture and rape of that woman. No, and, and they I They were agree. like in ing right there. Oh, totally. I think that Tamworth oh, I think was so too. definitely a breeding ground for yes. this kind of behavior. I believe that it was was a factor. I just don't believe it was... The only factor. No, I don't think it was the only factor. But if we look at some of the people that went in that were like the truant kid. Right, and they came out worse. And he came out and ended up killing a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Because you have to consider that when kids go into an environment like that, or if they're in an environment like that at home, I've mentioned it a hundred times, it's behavioral conditioning. Mm-hmm. So you really, you get out what you put in. So if the input into a child's mind is that of violence and rape and and doing really devious shit. Well, and like with Carl, I mean, we talked about it with Carl, that if that happens to you at some point in your life, you choose not to be the victim anymore, but you become the victimizer. Yes. You know, so it's like you switch the roles around, but it's still the same cycle. Because you, you know, because 
people like that are being taught kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. It's it's you or it's me. Yes. And it's not going to be me. Right. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do all this nefarious shit mm-hmm. because that's what I know. That's what I've been taught from mm-hmm. early childhood on was to do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of it comes down to programming. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too, but I just I just don't like the fact that they blamed what they did to that woman on that environment. <laughs> no. Because that wasn't that. It that to m- me might was have been a more, contributing factor. It might have been I but I think it was each other's I think it was the cheerleader. Yeah, they were I, each other's cheerleader and it was like almost, not quite gang mentality because there's not more than two of them, but it was something else going on there too. Oh, I agree. You know, so I can't say that ta- the institution was the only contributing factor. No, no, definitely not the only one, but yeah. definitely it was a one. breeding ground yeah. for that kind of uh, uh, of behavior well, yeah. and, and programming. Yeah, and unfortunately, unfortunately, that is a black mark on almost every country's criminal justice system when it comes to minors, especially. I mean, adult prisons are worse enough, but... When it comes to children being incarcerated, um, there needs to be a different standard. And I agree. Because I believe if you catch a child young enough or, you know, certain circumstances, they can be reformed. Yeah, and I I agree with Mm -hmm. that. You have to think of what's referred to as, uh, and it's been referred to a hundred times, called the lizard brain. And that's Mm -hmm. the parts of your brain that have evolved but but, but stay basic. Mm -hmm. Way back. That's all your survival Mm -hmm. skills and everything like that. So... With that said, let's say you have a puppy. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take pit bulls because I, that's my heart I dog. I love pitties. Love pitties. So you have a pity from a young age mm-hmm. and you teach it that you need to attack everything. Oh, yeah. Because if you don't, I'm going to beat you. Well, I believe that's what's going on with your dog. Oh, no, totally, the, yeah. The current one. I think that's what happened to her. And now she's all fucking loving and shit. Well, to people. To people. She just fucking hates dogs. Yeah. Um. That dog's only going to know one thing, though. Attack everything, because if not, what's going to happen? I'm going to get punished. Mm-hmm. However, that's not the natural reaction what any pit bull wants to do. No. Pit, pit bulls are not traditionally... No, they are loyal uh, and loving and... Yeah. They're not aggressive dogs. Mm-hmm. They, unless they're yeah. trained to do that. However, if you take that same pit bull, that same pit bull puppy, mm-hmm. and you raise it the way that I raise dogs, mm-hmm. which is in a very loving, nurturing well, environment. I tell people, if I want to come back reincarnated, I don't want to be a dog in my house. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> because, you know, I talk to my dogs, and, you know, if I, and I roll with them, and, and we have a lot of fun. They get fed exceptionally well in the whole shot. Yeah. Your dogs get fed better than I do. Because no. <laughs> I, pu- I love puppies. Um, you know, it's, it's going to produce a way different dog, providing... Certain things don't happen. Like right. if there's a if there's a brain issue, right? Um, but that's humanity like that. too, right? And that's why I'm making that parallel yeah. connection. So, I'm a big fan of nurture mm-hmm. over nature, because especially in today's day and age, where as psychology has um, become more affluent and more well researched, mm-hmm. even if you have uh, brain chemical issues, mm-hmm. if it's caught earlier enough. And you get on the right medications, you get the mm-hmm. right therapy. Nine times out of ten, you'll make it through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and now you you kind of know what's going on. And you go, okay, this is why I feel this mm-hmm. way. So I know that I don't want to a feel this way. I don't want to do something that's bad and get um, disciplined for it. Right. So now I've got skills to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to them, where you know it's just kind of like there's you're. When it comes to especially anybody who went to Tamworth, they're 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 receiving all this negative input, mm-hmm. and they're creating uh, psychopaths. That's mm-hmm. what the fuck they're creating, mm-hmm. because so much can change because of this these traumatic mm-hmm. experiences, brain chemical wise, on the basic foundations of brain chemicals well, yeah. and 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 psychology. Yeah, and they're changing them. And then when they're young like that and they're being sent there, some of those are their formative years too. So it's like those are the actions that they're going to take into adulthood. Yeah. You it's, know? it's learning. Yeah. Because, you know, you're, I'm sorry. I mean, yes, your formative years are your younger years too. But what your behaviors and stuff that you carry into adulthood generally happen right around puberty. Yes. You know, that's when you start coming into your own. You know, and I just, it just, 
we need change. We need change. You know, because do you agree. ever, I mean, because even, I mean, we brought it up with Carl. Do you think that if they wouldn't have had that, do you think that anything, you know, I think let's try to take changed. that out of the factor. You know, let's, you know what I mean? I think that had they had not gone to Tamworth mm-hmm. and they, if back when they were committing their crimes, we had the the solutions that we have today, or mm-hmm. the or the resources right. we have today, and the ref- the um, accountability in each of those institutions, very right. much accountability, right? I think that it would have been a totally different story. Okay, I, I'm not saying that they would end up being engineers or doctors no, or lawyers no. or anything like that. I think that they could have been better reformed. Okay, and maybe they're not out raping and robbing because the catalyst to everything that they were doing. Was on the preface of robbery. Yeah, I was going to say Lamb for the same reason. Yeah, I was going to say because let's let's look at it this way because even before they went into this reform school, basically their crimes were not that severe. Right. Well, we don't know why. Uh, One of we, them went. Went. I think it was Crump. Yeah, because um, his were sealed. His records were sealed. Yeah, and so it could have been that he was an orphan. We don't know. Right. Right. You know, he just magically fucking appeared there. But whatever they did to get there, mm-hmm. to get to the, at least the first home, wasn't right. that severe. Then they get transferred over there right. where this is a hardcore fucking place, right. man. And I have seen in group homes to this day because um, my nephew was friends with some people in our local group home is that when they go from the environment they grew up in, their household, and they get put in a group home and they're getting that structure, these kids rebel against that. Yes. Okay, so that's natural. They need it, they crave it, but they rebel against it, you know, to see how far they can, you know. And so I believe that that's probably what got them sent there is they were rebelling against that structure in the first, you know what I mean? Right. Well, here's the interesting thing about child psychology, and uh, I only found this out within the last 10 years. This wasn't even when I was in college. Okay. Is that kids actually desire structure. structure. They do. They, they'll rebel against it, and yeah. there's a reason for that. There's actually a useful reason there is. for that. There because is. how do you know when not to walk off of a cliff? Well, you test the boundaries, right? You walk closer and closer, and you go, okay, this is as far as I can go. Without falling. Without falling off this cliff. Or this touching is, a hot stove. or Yeah, anything. Yeah. You learn those mm-hmm. boundaries. Like, even in a, in a work environment, how far can I push anybody that I work with before... You, are, you can push them farther than most people, but yeah, no. I do because I'm a funny motherfucker. That's yeah. why I make tons That's of why jokes. you get away with it. But, um, you know, how far can you push your, your coworkers right. or if you, if you have a boss, your boss... Before you get fired. Before or they go, yeah. I'm done with your shit. You're out of here. Yeah. Everybody wants to know their boundaries. Mm-hmm. You don't ever want to think, even though a lot of people are going to disagree with this, it's true. Nobody wants to think that they have endless boundaries. Right. You want to know basically where you live. Yes. You know, what I can do, right. what I can't. And they, everybody wants a, def, a, a definitive right. list of rules. Right, right, right. Well, and, you know, and that's one of the things that my son's pediatrician talk to me about because I was honest with him about my childhood and how I didn't want that to happen to my son and he was like you know stick to your boundaries he will push against them he goes but that's what children do because they need to know they have that structure right because then they know safety and security you know exactly so that's that's the whole thing there so you have anything else you want to add to these two numbnutses no no I just they disgust me (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, no. I want a sandwich. <laughs> That's where that came from. I'm hungry. That's I why. Like, we talk about all this stuff, and all of a sudden, I want a sandwich. There's something about branches and vaginas that make me hungry. I don't know why. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah, I like. I like grossing you out. Payback's a bitch, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what? Though I very rarely get you, so I was <laughs> That's happy. True. I almost wanted to say NASCAR. <laughs> NASCAR. I can't even do my hillbilly voice. I know you can't. But no, I have I have nothing more to add to this one. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out our blogs on Medium, Crime Beat on Mediums, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at 
brutal nation get all the information with half of my bullshit. None of his bullshit, people. <laughs> it should be at least half, though, because it's pretty awesome. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. We will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.